New census numbers suggest that Illinois' population may actually have grown during the 2010s. The director of the Illinois Department of Children and Family Services is held in contempt yet again. And gas station owners are challenging a new law about decals that have to be posted on gas pumps. We'll talk about all that on this week's edition of Capital Cast. Hello and welcome to Capital Cast, a regular podcast of Capital News Illinois. I'm Peter Hancock. Have you read the stories or heard political rhetoric about how people are fleeing the state of Illinois in droves? Well, new numbers released this week suggest that may not be true at all. The Census Bureau released survey data this week suggesting that the 2020 census may have undercounted the Illinois population by nearly 2%. That comes from what's called a post-enumeration survey, or PES. It's something the Census Bureau does after each census to find out where it might be making mistakes so they can improve the next decennial headcount. Important to note, it's a survey, and it's subject to a margin of error. But even if you look at the whole range within that margin, it was all on the negative side, meaning there very likely was an undercount. And if that's true, it would mean Illinois' population actually grew between 2010 and 2020 by nearly a quarter million people, putting us at just over 13 million in population. That's not going to change anything about the official census, The numbers that were released last August are still the numbers that will be used to apportion congressional seats and to distribute formula-based federal funding. But it may have some political significance, and here to help us understand that is our State House Bureau Chief, Jerry Nowicki. Jerry, there are people in Illinois, some in politics, some in the media, who've basically based their entire message around the idea that people are leaving Illinois in droves maybe to get away from high taxes, high crime, maybe the fact that the U of I football team doesn't win enough. Whatever it is they want to criticize the state about over on any particular day, what do you think this does to that kind of messaging, especially as we're heading into an election cycle? Well, Peter, I thought Lovey Smith was going to turn things around at Illinois, but uh, I guess that's beside the point. Um, you know, I guess what really sticks out to me about this is just – that the census is really fine-tuning some methodology with these surveys. I think there were new outreach methods in 2020 uh, from 2010. I don't know that it's an apples-to-apples comparison, Um, but as you pointed out, this isn't a revision of the 2010 stats. I think you have a better grasp on what this means to me, Um, but it certainly shows that some of those mid-census year estimates that a lot of people hang their hat on for some of their doom and gloom predictions about Illinois, uh, you might not be able to, uh, those might not really hold water. I mean, there were, I think you pointed out in your story that the estimates uh, showed maybe uh, 10 times the loss of what was recorded in the actual sentence. So the estimates were way off. Um, Maybe you could say a little bit more about those estimates? Yeah, they do annual population estimates. Uh, Use the decennial census as a benchmark, and then every July they come out with estimates of what's going on. And those estimates between 2010 and 2019 
showed a much steeper decline. Uh, and again, these are based on survey data, uh, maybe uh, recorded births, recorded deaths. The Census Bureau has access to a lot of data. Uh, but using that, they were showing a much steeper decline than what actually came out in the 2020 census. So we know, you know, surveys can be off. Uh, your estimates can be off. So it's probably important not to put too much stock in those. But I'm just wondering, you know, kind of from a political standpoint, uh, as long as we've been here, I mean, I've heard people hammering Governor Pritzker about not doing enough to reverse the, the the outflow, uh, the out-migration of people from Illinois. Uh, does this kind of put an end to that? No, it's not going to put an end to it. I think we've already seen some of that on Twitter, some of the pushback against the Pritzker Fed narrative. Um, but it gives uh, uh, Pritzker a concrete number to cite, and I'm sure he'll cite it over and over again, uh, probably even in campaign ads. I wouldn't be surprised right now if his team is putting together a Illinois has grown a message that he'll use his billions of dollars to put on our Facebook feeds and on our TVs and everywhere else uh, media is consumed. So, you know, a, a growth of a quarter million over a 10-year period in a state of right under 13 million is still a pretty slow growth rate. A uh, few of the things we know and we've reported on, K-12 enrollment is down in-state college enrollment is down. The state does face some challenges here, especially in keeping young people. I did notice that the governor put out, the governor's campaign put out a statement uh, saying that Illinois has grown to an unprecedented 13 million under governor's, uh, under Governor Pritzker's leadership. He was actually only governor for one year uh, before the 2020 census came out, so I'm not sure how accurate that is. Uh, but it, does it change the conversation that we're going to have? I, I'd say, I'd say, you know, um, everyone's going to have their own numbers to cite now, and that's sort of the way things have been going. But I mean, it, to me, what it shows is that the census really needs to refine some stuff and, and get a little bit better at, at their uh, surveys and their estimates. Okay, well, turning now to another big story that's been going on for the last several weeks. On Friday of this week, Mark Smith, the director of the Department of Children and Family Services, was hit with his 11th contempt citation since the start of the year for failing to move children in state care out of psychiatric facilities when it's no longer medically necessary to keep them there. Beth Hunsdorfer has been following this story. Beth, fill us in. What is going on here? It seems as if uh, there are a small number of children who are in state care or come into state care that don't have access to um, supportive services after their discharge from, from uh, psychiatric facilities. And they're terrible stories and they're heartbreaking stories. And every Thursday afternoon, they're... Um, the juvenile court up in Cook County holds a stuck kid docket um, about these kids, and there are about 40 of them in, in Cook County. Um, and again, there, there are stories about the, about the kid that today um, was in the emergency room of a hospital for days, a suicidal 11-year-old. Um, Beth, one of the things I wonder on this is to what extent is the situation these kids are facing, to what extent is that new? 
or is it just a new way this one judge is responding or what's new about these contempt citations that we haven't seen in the past? I think the tactic is new. I think um, this the create this creation of the stuck kids docket and the the idea of holding the director in contempt for not moving these children. I think that's new and that's been happening since January. Um, and and how successful has that strategy been? I mean, there's eleven of them. I uh, mean, are we getting more uh, specialized placement settings for these children? Mark Smith has said that he's got a plan and they're implementing um, these specialized uh, services for kids who need psychiatric developmental or mental um, support when they're in state care. So there is a plan to add add. One thing services. I wonder, one thing I wonder is, is do we are would we be covering this as thoroughly as we are without these contempt contempt citations? Is it is it an attempt to get the media and the public at large to sort of notice it a little bit more? Probably because juvenile court is a is a closed thing. Not it's not very covered by the media because it's there's all kinds of rules about being um, in a juvenile uh, uh, case. Um, and I think that this is a way to draw attention to it, and it has been going on for a long time. And these individual stories of these kids that are not being um, cared for by the, in their in-state care, they're not receiving appropriate care, they're locked away for weeks. One was even almost a year in a black psychiatric facility, not being able to go outside maybe an hour a week and not go into school and that some of them were there were reports that they weren't even getting dressed so i know that the governor has been asked about this at a number of news conferences can you fill us in a little bit about what's the administration's response to all this well they're they're adding beds they're trying to to add these services it, for a long time um, these services were collapsed because these private agencies who administer the services weren't getting paid for them so they collapsed them so now they're trying to that was dur a, during rebuild the, the house. That was during the budget impasse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like over over this amount of time, they've asked for budget increases. They've asked for stability and these services, these private agencies, to have confidence in the state that they're going to support these new services that they, they have to offer. Okay. Well, finally, we want to turn to another story of this week. Uh, you've probably heard that when lawmakers passed the budget this year, they paused the automatic inflation adjustment increase in the state's motor fuel tax. In other words, the price you pay at the pump did not automatically jump by roughly two cents a gallon due to a tax increase. And they're going to keep it on hold for the next six months. What you may not have known is that within one of the bills that makes up the budget, there was a little provision that says that for the six-month period that the tax is on hold, gas station owners have to put a decal on the pump telling you that the state has suspended the automatic adjustment. Just a little friendly way of reminding you that your state legislators and governor have given you a little bit of a tax break. This week, a group of retailers filed a lawsuit in Sangamon County Circuit Court calling that requirement unconstitutional. Jerry, you wrote about this. Uh, what, what's the deal here? What's going on? Yeah, it seems like a little bit of a silly thing to require 
uh, that sticker, which is four inches by eight inches, basically saying we're not raising your taxes by two cents, although it doesn't say the two cent number on it. It just says the price on this pump should reflect the suspension of the tax increase. And it's only a six month suspension. So next year the tax is going to go up two times and it's there's going to be no signage required to show you that, uh, to tell you that it's going up two years. And look, I mean, the gas tax, uh, it's paying for this $45 billion public works infrastructure plan. You know, it's th there's, there's a good use for that money and it can't be used for anything other than road and bridge improvements. But um, there was no signage required when it was doubled from 19 to 38 cents in uh, 2019 uh, under that bipartisan action that the governor signed. And there's no signage when it's going to go up twice next year, but here we are requiring law, uh, gas stations to have these signs on every pump, and if they don't, they're subject to a $500 fine, which which is a bit crazy. And uh, you know, the gas retailers are saying, you know, this is compelled speech. There's no real government interest uh, in having us notify the public of this. It's just PR work for the General Assembly at the expense of the gas retailers who have to pay to put these signs up. Well, and that argument was brought to the attention of legislators as they were debating the bill, uh, but they just didn't seem to really care. Is there a precedent for doing something like this? Yeah, they, the governor keeps pointing to in 2000, uh, Governor George Ryan signed something that said uh, the state got rid of its portion of sales tax on motor fuel, but the state's not even doing that this year. They're going to continue to charge sales tax at 625 percent on top of the uh, motor fuel tax. So it's two separate taxes on the same gallon of gas. So Yeah, Illinois is one of the very few states that double taxes the sale of motor fuels. Right. And the, the sales tax is not required to go to road and bridges. That can go to the general, general revenue fund, and it does go to the general revenue fund. And so this was filed in Sangamon County Circuit Court. Uh, is there enough time between now and uh, July 1st when this law kicks into effect to get through the court system and up to the Illinois Supreme Court? Um, yeah, I, I would. I don't know how expedited it'll be, but certainly the uh, fuel retailers were hopeful that it could in that case. And I wonder if some of their time uh, filing this lawsuit, I wonder if they meant it to coincide with uh, Memorial Day sort of week ahead of Memorial Day when gas prices are pushing $5 a gallon everywhere so that people read the story about this two-cent hike and, and the requirements on retailers because of it. Yeah, we've been tracking that on the AAA website. Uh, the average price of unleaded gasoline in Illinois is hovering right around four ninety-eight a gallon, uh, which is the highest nominal price I've ever seen in my lifetime. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Memorial Day weekend is coming up, and then a few weeks after that is the uh, Illinois primary for governor and uh, general assembly seats. Uh, Republicans have been making a little bit of noise about this, as well as some other parts of the budget. Uh, can this is, Does this have the potential to be uh, a really salient campaign issue? Certainly, I would say the high price of inflation and the high price of gas right now is, is on every voter's mind. Um, in terms of the stickers, I think it's just a silly thing. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just it's a lawsuit. They have the right to sue. Um, it's just a silly thing that 
honestly, when I was hearing the committee discussion, I thought there was no way it would remain in the final bill, but the governor stuck by it. Okay, well, that's all the time we have for this week on Capital Cast. Capital Cast is a production of Capital News Illinois, a statehouse reporting project of the Illinois Press Foundation with funding from the Robert McCormick Foundation. Until the next time, this is Peter Hancock with Jerry Nowicki and Beth Hunsdorfer saying stay safe and thank you for listening. <laughs>